Welcome to another episode of EIU Panthers Podcast. I'm your host, Rich Moser. This week, in our return to the series, we sit down with Eastern Illinois head athletic trainer, Jim Nave. Nave has been in the athletic training business for more than 20 years and discusses what first got him into the profession and what things he has seen evolve over the past two decades. In addition, he talks about how he has built his athletic training staff here at EIU and how his side hobbies of playing in a band and fishing give him a good balanced approach to his job. Consolidated Communications is a proud sponsor of EIU Panther Athletics. Want to learn more about the power of broadband for your home or business? Then visit consolidated.com today. We are in our third season of EIU Panthers podcast. You can listen to any of our episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Simply search EIU Panthers podcast, available on Apple Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio podcast, and Amazon podcasts. The EIU Athletic season continues to be in full swing as the EIU Swimming collected a pair of Summit League Swimmer of the Week awards for their season opening performance, while EIU Football and Volleyball both had weekly award winners after opening Ohio Valley Conference play last weekend with wins. EIU Volleyball is off to a 2-1 start in conference play, while the football team won at Murray State. This week, EIU Men's Soccer plays its regular season home opener on Saturday, while the volleyball team hosts OVC newcomer Little Rock in a pair of weekend matches. To stay up to date on the latest news, scores, stats, schedules, and more, visit us online at eiupanthers.com, or be sure to follow us on Twitter at EIU underscore Panthers, or our Instagram channel at EIU Panther Nation. Now to this week's episode of EIU Panthers Podcast with Jim Nave. And welcome to another edition of EIU Panthers Podcast. We're joined today by Jim Nave, our head athletic trainer and kind of one of our, our staff members. We try to do a variety of different staff members. A lot of times we talk to coaches and athletes, but want to get some of the behind the scenes here. So Jim, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. So Jim, been here for a, a couple of years, I guess. First of all, what kind of got you into athletic training? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I am 23 years into this. I barely remember. Um, <laughs> Let's see. Uh, honest to goodness, I started out pre-med, and uh, I I just wasn't enjoying it. And uh, you know, I I always background you know playing athletics and uh, enjoyed athletics and kind of wanted to do more hands-on um, and considered physical therapy. And I was at Indiana State, and at the time they had a top five AT program, and I was pointed in that direction. Met with uh, some of the staff and. Rest is history. I off I went. <laughs> now you talk about that that you had kind of a an enjoyment of of sports. Is that a lot of times the direction that how people get into athletic training is they really like sports, but they weren't that superstar athlete. <laughs> uh, oftentimes, yes. <laughs> oftentimes, yes. Now there are. I, I went to school with a couple of uh, college athletes that went into athletic training, but that's that's a tough road um, with the hours required as an athlete and a, and a AT, um, yeah, oftentimes, you know, you have a guy like me that's 5'8", 100, and not a <laughs> high school football player um, that wants in the medical field and wants to continue with athletics, absolutely. Now, the joy of being around that, I, I talk about, you talked about, there's a couple different paths people kind mm-hmm. of can go there. Physical therapy seems to be the one, personal training, and then athletic training, to the person that doesn't know any better, 
what are some of the differences between those? Because from the outside, you're like, oh, those are all the same. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, personal trainers, um, and, and to an extent, strength and conditioning, um, they get the body ready, right? They, they get you to peak level of performance is, is what they try to do. And I, I don't want to lump them all together because the strength and conditioning coaches are even more specialized um, for athletics. Um, then your physical therapists, they deal a little bit more. Uh, there is a lot of overlap between physical therapy and athletic training, a lot. Um, I would say the biggest difference is they, they deal a little bit more in-depth with neurological issues, with geriatric issues, um, with, with some of the post-op therapy for replacements, things like that. But they do also work with the physically active active groups so that's where they can overlap and there is a, a certification for sport physical therapy um, but they don't practice athletic training we overlap but not to where we go into each other's domain as much um, athletic training you know we do a lot of the therapy we do um, and ours is generally physically active people right we, we're not going to deal with geriatrics or pediatrics or the neurological such as stroke things mm -hmm. like that but we will, uh, we, we delve into more acute care, right? We, we, that's, I'd say the biggest difference is we, we deal more with the assessment of the injury as it happens. So we deal with it on the field. It's, it's one of the great things about our profession is we take you from when the injury happened to the return, um, so a lot more than just uh, what the lay person would think is you don't just tape ankles. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a whole lot that goes into athletic training. Um, and I think, you know, the lay person taping ankles, squirting water in mouths, things <laughs> like that. Um, and that's a part of it. But um, a big part of the taping ankles, I think, you know, people see that and they don't realize one of the domains of athletic training is injury prevention. And I, I meet with, um, of course, I take care of track and field and cross country, and I meet with the recruits. And that's one of the things I talk to their parents about is when you come to Eastern Illinois, I do your physical. I do the physical assessment part, and then the doctor, obviously, they have a part to do. That's yeah. a big, big deal. Um, but I look at movement patterns, and I look at how your son or daughter moves, and I try to get them on an exercise program to start with if I feel like they need it to prevent injury. I, the best careers, I, I love all my student athletes, but the best careers are kids that don't have to see me whole, a yep. whole lot because <laughs> we've, because they haven't been injured or, and, and oftentimes we do help them with that. Now you mentioned you've been doing this for, for 23 years. There have been dramatic advances and I, I joke with you about the taping ankles because that, <laughs> I think that's what a lot of maybe athletic training was when you maybe kind of got in and it has moved leaps and bounds with technology to the current dates. Absolutely, absolutely. I joke, um, oftentimes, um, I joke around with some of the football players. When I started, a concussion was 48-hour symptom-free and off you go. Yeah. And, and just the advantages in that, um, you know, we did the old school, you know, of, hey, remember these words, and we would ask the <laughs> questions and things like that. And now, I mean, that's still part of it on a sideline assessment. Um, but there's so much more now with the impact testing and um, the other sway has has um, technology. My my junior high daughter 
takes baseline testing for concussion now. Just the, the advances in, in how we can assess things and how we can keep student athletes safe um, and how we make sure they're ready to go back is amazing. Um, the changes in surgeries, the changes, I, I tell you what, when I was an undergrad, I, we had t-shirts made for our Student Athletic Training Association that said, if eyes can't fix it, it can't be fixed. And Indiana State back then was, was they did a lot of research in cryotherapy and treatment with mm-hmm. eyes and how we do things with eyes. And now the science is going away from eyes. And, you know, and that's, I tell people, sometimes that's hard for me. I'm kind of an old dog yeah. now um, with that new trick. <laughs> but you follow the evidence, you follow the science, and, and you're right, the advances have been amazing. Now, you talked about Indiana State, you went to school there, mm-hmm. I know you're kind of from the area, then you started working at, at Rose Holman before you came here, yes. Division Three school. What was that that attracted you? Was that the first best offer that you got, or did were you kind of determined to stay in the area when you got out of school? I was. I tell you what, I... I um. My goodness, I'm, I had my GA position here, mm-hmm. and actually, my grad school was here. My GA position was at Biomax Rehab, which is part of Benuti Orthopedics, okay. which is now part of Sarah Bush, yes. so our team physicians. Yes. Um, and that was my GA position, and I actually started at a high school, Newton High School, south of here, and, and worked there a few years, and my wife was a PTA at this at the same clinic, and that... You know, we're both from the area. She's I was from Martinsville. She's from Casey. And then when I got the offer to go to Rose Holman, um, every AT that I worked, went to school with, you know, every all of us really wanted that college experience, wanted to work in collegiate mm-hmm. sports. And um, it was just great timing and, and perfect because um, the director of sports medicine at Rose Holman and he's actually still there. Uh, was a college classmate of mine, and we've been best friends since we were in undergrad. And um, his other assistant, Kristen, she graduated a year after us, and we were all we palled around in college, and it was just a great work dynamic. Now I, I mentioned that because you you started Division Three, and I think for the average person watching, they realize there is a difference between the athletic ability to some extent between Division One, Division Three. Mm-hmm. Does that impact how you do your job or are the assessments just the same just maybe not I don't want to demean the, the kids in division three because there's really good kids there but there are a lot of times they're not as athletically gifted no absolutely absolutely it really doesn't change much of what we do um, just because the injuries are the same the speed of the game a lot of times is is a bit slower right um, like you said they're you, as you go up in division, you also go up in quote-unquote bigger, faster, stronger. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the speed of the game is a little different. But, you know, for instance, football, you still have ACLs, you still have concussions, you still have – it's still a collision sport. Um, and, you know, so the injuries are, are very similar. Um, the rehab is very similar. The, the thing I think would be different a little bit is – Oftentimes, I felt like at Rose Holman, it is such a, uh, it's an engineering um, institution, and, and the focus there is definitely, definitely academic. Um, so the pressure wasn't as great 
to, to, to get a student athlete back to, you weren't as, you know, if you wanted to take an extra week, kid had some work to do in the classroom, it was, it was, it was fine. The other big difference that I think sometimes people aren't aware of, I worked at, I started at Division Three just like you did and worked my way up to this level is the emphasis is truly there on being a student first and then the athletics is a secondary thing. Not that that's not the case at, at an Eastern Illinois. No, absolutely. Division One perspective. But with that model for Division Three, they follow that model in terms of they limit their practice and playing season as well. So how does that then impact you to where – Let's say football at Eastern Illinois Division One is a year-round yes. sport, whereas at Rose Holman it it really is only a fall sport. Yes, I think the biggest one of the bigger differences I see is, you know, at Rose Holman they you know they play in the fall, they have their what, five weeks in the spring, um, but then come summertime, those athletes are home. Yeah. Those those Division Three athletes are home for summer break, whereas at an Eastern Illinois football basketball volleyball those those sports are here training and we're 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 here taking care of those um at at rose it was it was more summer camps in the summer for us it was pretty it was pretty laid back we we worked camps um we did have some student athletes if they were injured and had surgeries and whatnot and were staying in town we we had training room times we did treatments and rehabilitation um, but otherwise, it was pretty, summers were pretty, pretty chill. And then for you, I'll lead into the, the next question yeah. here, because you talked about from the fact that, I know you're married, you've, you've got a, a young family as well, work-life balance there from from that perspective is how does, how does somebody in athletic training kind of balance that? <laughs> it's tough. It, it can be tough. It can be tough. Um, I think, you know, I, I struggled early on. And that was self-induced, self-induced. And a lot of athletic trainers do that. We were, were very driven to uh, very driven to be successful, very driven to take care of our student athletes. Um, I told a student athlete the other day uh, here at EIU, I, I have 450 nieces and nephews, I think. I, yeah. um, <laughs> but um, it, it can be tough. And it is a profession where there's a lot of burnout. I think what we've tried to do here at EIU and, and what I've tried to instill in my staff is it's okay. It's okay to go home. Um, and we'll take care of each other. Um, and that's what we try to do. Um, if, if one of my staff is in a wedding, if, if they have a family event, um, we're very, very big on we're going to take care of each other. If one needs to go, another's going to step up and, and, and cover them for a week. And I think one of the good things here is, you know, we communicate well with our coaching staff, so let them know, hey, this person's, but I'm going to go. And lots of times it is me that if it's, you know, if it's one of the big three, I'll step in as, as the director mm -hmm. and I'll cover. And, it, you know, lots of times that makes it okay. But we, but we just try to make sure that we, we, take, care of, we take care of each other and and get get that work-life balance um and the staff does the same for me i have a young i have a daughter playing junior high basketball right now and um the staff is great if i she has a game that starts at six and track usually finishes at six um one of my gas or one of you know my uh, associate athletic trainer of the football that any one of them will step up and say hey we, we've got those post 
that post practice for you today, so you can go to see your kid play. Now you talked a little bit about that. I would say when you're thinking of it from a coaching perspective, and maybe even in some of the other administrative perspectives, is you become a I don't want to say a specialist. It sounds like, and I, I know your staff well enough that you guys are really well balanced and well trained to where you guys can can step in. Is that something that is unique here, or is that something you kind of see in a lot of schools? Um, I think I think you see it, but I think we've emphasized it here. Um, we one of the things we like to do is when I came in. We were pretty stereotypical. Training room would get busy in the afternoon, and it you know things we we'd work work work, get them out to practice, it'd lull down. After practice, it'd pick up again. And one of the things that we we put in, um, I, I've had a consistent staff now for about five six years, and I'm really proud of them. But one of the things we did was like, like, okay how do we keep student athletes that are injured from slipping through the cracks? How do we make sure they're getting the individualized treatment they need? And so we put in an online scheduling system and we have those student athletes that need rehab scheduled throughout the day. And then we pre-practice is let's get ready for practice. After practice is recovery. During the day is, is rehab. Um, and what we try to do is with that, we're also cognizant of my staff's time too. So they can block their schedule. If they have a game and they're not back into town until midnight, one in the morning, I don't want them in before 10 or 11. I mean, take, take that morning sleep for yeah. crying out loud. Um, and what we've done is we've opened up that schedule so any student athlete can schedule on me, uh, Michael, Jihan. We, make, we have opened them up so that any student athlete, if they look on that schedule, okay, I can go see this person. Now, what it requires is, on our end, is taking good notes and good communication. So that's kind of a point of emphasis with us is we make sure that we get things in our EMR and we make sure that the other staff is aware. Um, because we do have assigned sports. Mm -hmm. We do have a little bit of specialization. And the big part of that is that one point person travels with that team, makes sure that they are managing every injury on that team and communicates with that coach well, but it doesn't necessarily mean they have to do every every treatment every time. Now, you talked about you've had a consistent staff for about four or five years, maybe even longer now with, with some of those, those members. What is it that you maybe were looking for in, in, in those, those staff members? Is there certain qualities that you're looking for that maybe – these people don't even know that they have, that you're about to divulge? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I say all the time, um, I've, I've done this a long time, and you have to have a certain set of requirements to be an athletic trainer. You have to be, you have a national certification to work here. You have to have state licensure. Um, I look at experience and, and things you've done where you've worked. Um, but honest to goodness, for me, you know, like, for example, hiring GAs, when I get a stack of resumes, you know, the experience is only so much. Yeah. They've all gone to an undergrad program. They've all done well. Um, but, man, during that interview, and I call the staffs they've worked with, I really look for character. I think, you know, we all have, everyone can improve. 
I'm, I'm 23 years in and I, I still have room for improvement. I still have things I can do better. I have education I, I can continue and, and learn new things. Um, and that's true of everyone. And there are things that new staff members come in, especially young, that can teach me. And there are things that I, I do in ways I do things I can teach them. And, and, and so skill-wise, skill-wise, that can be trained. That can be taught and we can help each other. But are you a good, so the things I look for, are you a good communicator? Um, is your personality gonna fit with my staff? Um, we're a very tight staff. We get along really well. Um, are you someone that's going to come in and fit into that staff, into that dynamic? Because I know if you do, you're going to be able to talk to coaches. You're going to be able to talk to doctors. You're going to be able to talk to administrators. All the people you need to, and student athlete, parents, all the people you need to be able to communicate with to be successful. Because I tell you, in, in this profession, if you can't communicate and, and, and convey the, what's going on, and you have, almost have to communicate in different ways yep. to different people. If you can't do that, you're going to struggle. So, you know, I look for, I, I want high character, high energy, and great communicators. Now for you, and kind of a, I don't want to know, say a touchy subject, but a subject you guys kind of went through and you were on the front line of this, kind of came through COVID, but you guys were able to actually keep your staff in place, which I think is, you know, a credit to, to you guys and maybe what you, you've done here, maybe what, what they have found here, you hear about the burnout rate amongst people from, from COVID. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that your staff doesn't have that, but <laughs> how did you guys, how did you guys, I guess, kind of manage that? And then I don't want to say, are we past that? Cause I don't know that we'll ever be past it, but or maybe we're on the other side. <laughs> it was tough. It was tough. I, I think, I think the, the, one of the big things is Everyone's going through it. Everyone went through it. Every staff went through it. And it came down to, again, how do we take care of each other? You know, how do we communicate? Um, and, and one of the big things for us is we were very, very open and honest with administration and coaches about, you know, in the spring when we played all the sports at once. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, I mean, that was tough on everyone. Yep. On everyone. And we just had to make sure, listen, we are going to take care of you, but this sport is higher risk. We have to go to our higher risk first, but we've got you. And I think as long as, you know, many times the coaches knew that, and, and again, we as a staff took care of each other, um, tried to recognize, okay, your, your sports are going right now, and you've had this many games this week. I'm going to cover this. I'm going to take care of this, this home game so you can go home tonight yeah and just to try to make sure again I, I think I think you want your staff to know that you care about them more than the work they're doing and and I think I think that's what we do a good job of here um, and I think that's what got us through um, as far as the other thing is I think Honest to goodness, we had a good, once we got a good system set up for COVID, because we, um, the, the testing, we did the testing and um, screening and whatnot, and once we got our system set up and efficient, it was helpful. Yep. Um, 
once the testing got out of our hands, even more helpful. Yeah. <laughs> that 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 was that was a big big deal. Um, the pandemic itself, I do think we're getting getting to the endemic side, but I'm cautiously optimistic. Yep. As with most things, I have to keep my eye on it and keep an eye on the changes as they occur. But I don't I don't see us backtracking. As with most viruses, most viruses become more contagious, less dangerous. A virus, well, I say wants, like they have free will, but, um, <laughs> you know, for a virus to kill you, that's inefficient for a virus because yeah. then they can't. Yes. They can't go on. <laughs> so I, th- I think as we, as we continue, it's getting less and less. I actually saw the CDC is going to lift um, the recommendation for masking in healthcare facilities. Okay. I, I saw that's coming down the line. So I do think if the CDC is... Get it, thinking we're in the endemic phase of it, and let, let's be honest, it it wasn't necessarily about infections or how many people were sick. It was about That's hospitalization yeah. and overwhelming of the healthcare yeah. system. And I think, I think as, I think as a university, um, athletic department, I thought policy wise and and how we handled it, we actually came through pretty well. We actually came through pretty well that first year. Um, I think if I if I remember correctly, we were one of the only schools in the conference to not have to shut our basketball yes. down, yep. which to me was a big deal. About um, I'm very big on doing things the right way, yep. and I think we did a good job. All right, change directions here. Absolutely, a little more fun types things. Side note: that people may not know is you are a musician. You are in a band. Mm-hmm. What? Just like with the athletic training, what kind of got you into the to the music side of things? The music side of things. <laughs> um, my dad. My dad played, um, my goodness, he plays, played since he was young, and he is 74. Um, played in a band in high school, played through college, you know, and then as a kid, I would just remember going and watching him. They played together for years and years and years and just those those are still some of his best friends um so yeah i started playing you know i played i was in high school band i played the saxophone i horsed around with things and then um started playing the bass guitar actually in college um dad had one obviously yeah. <laughs> and so started playing and, and it's and i've been playing with uh, a couple of the guys now since probably 1998 okay somewhere in that range and you know it's a great time well, i know you guys have had a, a couple gigs at, at local establishments live music isn't quite a, what it was when you probably jumped into it but favorite type of music favorite band that you guys like to cover that you personally like to cover oh my goodness um i we honestly um our guitar player always says a couple songs in if you don't like what you're hearing wait five minutes so we decided um, we decided we all liked different things and we were just going to play them all. Okay. <laughs> so we, I mean, it will go anywhere from um, Wagon Wheel by Old Crow Medicine Show um, to 80s tunes. We play some Journey. We play The Cure. Okay. Um, to, goodness gracious, Clear to Grunge. Um, which ones of those are yours? Which ones of those are mine? <laughs> 
Um, I sing a little you, bit. Of, or you don't I, have a honest to goodness, <laughs> I sing. Um, I sing Wagon Wheel, okay. so I sing that bluegrassy country sounding song, um, and then next thing you know, I sing John Cougar, and then um, a little bit of '80s, and then yeah, I, I can growl a little bit. It's <laughs> I, I sing. Um, I can't. My goodness, put me on the spot, and I can't think of what I even sing in my own band. But uh, yeah, so we do that. Um, my younger brother is our sound man, okay. which is great. Uh, my best friend since the first grade plays guitar. Another buddy since, my goodness, we've been friends a long, long time. The whole, the whole group. So it's just a lot of fun, and it's a nice relief. Okay, but then I know the other thing. Your other release that you you have is you you have a boat. You live near the water. I don't know if, and I'm not exactly sure if you live on the water anymore. No, at one point in time you you were talking about that. Kind of what got you into to the fishing, and how does that. Is that, I guess, for what you do, the high stress level, that's got to be another release. Yes. Yes, I absolutely love to go fishing. Um, and again, my my dad, my dad, when we were young, that's, um, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, when you're a teenager and you're just kind of a jerk, you know, we all go through that phase. Um, yes. <laughs> even when I was, I, you know, even when I was being the petulant brat at 15, 16 years old and giving my dad the hardest time in the world, and he didn't, my dad didn't put up with much, um, we could go fishing. We could we could argue that day because I'm being bullheaded, and the next thing you know, if we're fishing or hunting, we're just fine. We're just fine. And still to this day, we still... My brothers, dad and I, we, we, we deer hunt together. We go fishing together. Um, we actually, my wife and I, we, we lived close to Mill Creek and I had a boat on Mill Creek and we fished it a lot. And we have since, we moved and, um, but we built on her family's farm. And so we have our own little okay. piece of property on a 12 acre lake now. So we've switched the pontoon boat for kayaks and canoes, okay. but um, now I look out the back deck, and I, I was actually just talking to Mark the other day. I'm like, it, it's I love living on water. Um, we have uh, my kids name everything. We have geese with names. <laughs> we have a blue heron that's named. There's a bald eagle that nests pretty close to it. His name's Sam. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, and my and it's still the same thing. My dad, my brothers, we come up and we're there's usually a wet line somewhere around that. Yep. <laughs> and then final one as we wrap yeah. up here, Jim, as I don't want to put you on the spot again, as you've been doing this, you said for 23 years, is there maybe a, a moment or a team or an experience as an athletic trainer that kind of maybe stands out? And to you, when you go home, you're like, after a hard day, it's like, I kind of remember that one. That's what made it all worth it. The, there are, <laughs> there are a few things that stand out. There are a few things that stand out. Um, you remember athletes um, and some of the really good ones. There was um, no, name drop. Derek Idol is a young man from Marshall. He's local. I know his family. And to watch him, he played quarterback and was a pitcher at Rose Hallman. To watch him, he got drafted. Um, he ended up, you know, before he had a few injuries late in his career, but he was a triple-A all-star okay. uh, and just had a great career to know that it's one of those deals to know, hey, yeah. I worked with him, had a hand yeah. in that success. 
Um, and I don't know that I had much of a hand in that success, more just watched him. Yeah. <laughs> um, here, here at EIU, um, I worked really hard, and she worked really hard. Haley Knapp was an athlete that I worked with a lot one-on-one. Um, that she, she did a lot of training in water, did a lot of things in the pool, and, and to be able to watch her go to a national, be an All-American, that was, uh, again, to me is a big deal. But some of the, some of the things that I remember is that when I go home at night and I think about is not even the athletes um, sometimes or the teams is um, I had a fan at Newton when I was <laughs> this is no kidding a fan and this man would come meet us every he'd come to every practice um, we're in a final four game we beat uh, Muhammad Seymour in overtime he had a heart attack Oh wow! and it was uh, it was almost scripted 50-yard line after the game, celebrating, and um, and uh, we, a, a, a gentleman from Muhammad and I did CPR and shocked him, and the EMT or the paramedics came in, and he, he's still alive. And you look back at that, I'm like, yeah, this is why I do this. Yeah. This is why I do this. You have a hard day, and you remember, or, you know, I get texts from athletes or former student athletes that, you know, that you've made a difference in their life. Maybe maybe not through rehab. Maybe just when they come in and, you know, I have kids come into my office and they just talk about life or they talk about what's going on at home and they just want somebody to talk to, somebody to lean on a little bit. And, and I think that's kind of one of the things, we're around these kids a lot. Like, I do sound old, don't I, call yep. them kids. <laughs> but we're around them a lot and, and most times their athletic trainer is somebody they trust and they come to and they talk to us about things at home, life, what they want to do outside of this. And, you know, I, I think that's what makes it worthwhile is you know, you know, that, that you've, you've touched some lives and you, you know, you feel like you do make a difference. Perfect. Well, Jim, I appreciate your time. This is Jim Nave, our athletic trainer on the IU Panthers podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate you, Rich. Wow, <laughs> wow,